Except the Lord keep the city, they waketh in vain, they that watch over it. I want to always remember that no matter how incredible the ministry, or the mission, or the business being interviewed, it's all in vain if not for Him. Thanks for joining us for another Faith Horizons podcast. The purpose of a Faith Horizons podcast is to discover the kingdom of God in Kansas City, one conversation at a time. For so many years, America has turned to the government in time of crisis, such as large storm damage, fires, flooding, or even mounting homelessness. Fourteen years ago, God gave Daniel Geraci a model to train for bring together, and then mobilize local churches in times of crisis. With this model, Daniel started Austin Disaster Relief Network, or ADRN. Over the past 14 years, through collecting the information of those in need, ADRN has been able to bring together church, government, and other agencies to quickly identify key problems and facilitate large-scale efforts to assist all aspects of people and communities in need, practically, emotionally, and spiritually. After 14 years with a proven model, Daniel has launched United in Crisis, going nationwide with this incredible, powerful model and empowering mission for God's church. Through Crisis, we are given the compelling opportunity to come together and make the love of Jesus and His body mean something to those in need. Here's my conversation with Daniel Geraci. Welcome to another Faith Horizons podcast. Today I'm here with Daniel Geraci, uh, Gira- right? You got it. All right, I got it right. Yes. Okay, finally. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I had to practice that a few times. It's it's Jer and then just like uh, like Tracy. like Tracy, right? Yeah, Geraci, yeah, uh-huh. Geraci. Anyway, Daniel Geraci is from Austin, uh, Texas, and welcome, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Can you just tell us a little bit, you know, give us a brief, you know, three to four minute synopsis of what Austin Disaster Relief Network is? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, we say ADRN, Austin Disaster Relief Network. Uh, it, we've been around for 14 years. Uh, you know, the Lord put in my heart this model uh, of pulling churches together training the body of Christ and mobilizing them when crisis strikes. And uh, the model's been incredibly effective for the greater Austin area for the last 14 years prior to ADRN forming. Uh, in the 100 years prior to that, there had been a total of nine disasters, major disasters in the city. Since forming uh, over those 14 years, there have been a total of 16 disasters. Oh, wow. Uh, and and three of those catastrophic, seven historic, and the rest major. So wow. it's been a very busy season in wow. Austin. We're actually the fourth most disaster-prone city in the nation now. Wow. Uh, tied with Houston for uh, number four. Uh, so it's not build it and it will come. I believe it. The Lord so loves people that He will have His church ready and mobilize and prepare His church so that way we can become the best asset that the city has when crisis strikes. And that's really what we want: is the position of the church to be the hero, uh, not the ministry, but the church. So multitudes coming into the kingdom through it. So Austin, uh, the 
ADRN helps uh, churches come together. They help facilitate churches so that they can be prepared mm-hmm. to uh, be a, the best to be the best resource possible when a when a disaster does strike. Right? Yeah. And and really, the training is key. Knowing what to say, what not to say. So we yeah we talked them. about that. Yeah, that's yeah. really important. Emotionally, spiritually, and physically, you know, there's there's many facets, right, to get involved with it with a disaster. But we want the church to really know. Uh, what to do, how to do it, what to say, what not to say, and and really the emotion, the spiritual component of it. When when is it the right time to share my testimony, so to speak, about the Lord? And yeah. uh, it's key. Uh, yeah, even though like most people would consider a disaster a very big problem, you're when we were talking together, I just kept hearing, man, a disaster is an incredible opportunity for the church to represent Christ well. Yes. It's an incredible opportunity. And also, you know, if you read books like, you know, Tribe, it talks about how the greatest community happens, you know, when when uh when a disaster strikes. Yes. Uh, people coming together, helping one another. We get to see the best of each other. Yes. Uh, you know, for the body of Christ, this is something we always have wanted, right? We we don't like the division and the different yeah. denominations. And I see it and hear it all the time. No one is asking what church you were from when you're wearing the same color, same Nobody shirt. Nobody cares. <laughs> we're doing it together. But on the flip side, as a survivor... Um, and, and usually we see about anywhere from 65 to 70% of the survivor population is unchurched. They're going, I never knew the church was this good. Uh, and they're usually asking, "What now what church is this? And we just say, not a church, but the church. And that's just incredible. And what it does is it moves the heart of people. Their old view of the church isn't like what they were told. It's like, I didn't realize y'all were this good. And ultimately, it leads them to the Lord. Yeah, because you had talked about that too, about how the church, at least in Austin, was kind of like secluded out of the disaster program for a while because we had maybe overstepped, you know, our our, our stay for a bit. Just tell a little bit about. Yeah, that. you know, I found out in the very beginning that the from the leadership of the government that the church is the second disaster when a disaster strikes because it's the second disaster. That's what they say. They always say it. Every it doesn't wow. matter where I'm it's at, what good. city, uh, it's not good. Not a good reputation because what happens is we have good hearts because we don't have the training. We put our foot in our mouth. Uh, in Austin, our own story is that uh, a handful of pastors went into the convention center when Hurricane Trina struck. The, you know the uh, you know the New Orleans area. It sent six thousand people to Austin, evacuees wow. into our convention center, and handful of pastors went in there and said, "You're here because of your sin." Uh, when Austin leadership heard that, they say, don't let the church back in. And for years, the church was not allowed to help evacuees. And the, f- the interesting part of the story is that, you know, after those 6,000 were assisted, then Gustav hit the Gulf area, and that brought another several thousand wow, into the wow. city. And then uh, Rita hit several thousand, and then Ike hit, and a total of 44,000 people were evacuated to our city over a three-year period. The church was not allowed to to come into the shelter and be the church and help those families get back on their feet because of what had happened in 2005. That's incredible. So after that, you said that the walls kind of came down because you were able to present them with a with an offering that 
Yeah, we we approached the city and Red Cross and said, how do we serve you? And they said, wow, no one's ever asked us from the church, how can we serve you? (laughs) They just came at us at a posture of, we're the church, let us in. And uh, it turned them off. Really what they wanted was they wanted our people to be trained. They want us to help run the operations. It was the very opposite of what we were experiencing. And so uh, it came, you know, because we came with humble hearts, and really that's the posture church needs to take. Plus, they want to work with the church versus several multiple churches, because when disaster strikes, you don't have a lot of capacity. The government does, and they would rather have one central uh, ear, you know, uh, uh, ministry to communicate through, to collaborate through in order to be able to mobilize that many volunteers. So it works so beautifully, not only for the church, but for the government. Absolutely. The Absolutely. So, um, you're the founder of this, uh, organization, right? ADRN. Mm-hmm. And so what, what, uh, what put this on your heart? <laughs> Well, uh, in 2005, when Katrina happened, um, I was just involved. I was actually selling oil and gas at the time, uh, and suddenly, in a flash, uh, while helping you know survivors come out of the convention center, the Lord gave this vision, and in just a moment, wrote it on a napkin where I could see the Greater Austin area broke it up into twelve what we call now sectors, and the way that we would build infrastructures within churches, we call them DRC and core team, to help pull the weight off the pastor and build a great team within every church to mobilize volunteers to help them get trained uh, when disaster strikes. Because what you don't want is the church, the staff, to suddenly get involved in that crisis, because they really need to be the church and be who they are to their own people, to the community, so that way... This small group called a DRC and core team, given mobilizing volunteers, it's just the plan that the Lord gave us. And then we added emotional, spiritual care training, which has been key. And the number one goal for the Church of Greater Austin is to walk with families uh, to help them get back on their feet, like the Lord told us in the Good Samaritan parable, which is really where the most salvations and people begin to really uh, be encouraged by who the church is because they usually ask the question, why do you do this? Why are you doing this? Like as if there's something up our sleeve. And they're not used to this level of love. And it's really what we're reflecting is his beauty. And when that beauty is revealed, they cannot but fall in love with it. And that's when we see lots of people come to Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, in this way, we don't actually have to be pushy with the gospel. No, no. They they want to know, like, yeah. why are you so joyful? Why, why do yeah. you have so much peace in the midst of crisis? Tell me more. So, so that was one of the things that you had mentioned that was really a very serious point about what you do is you train people not to ask the wrong questions yeah. while uh, while they're engaging with a uh, person who's just left their home for a fire or a or a flood or for whatever reason. Yeah, no, it's the the ABCs of emotional care. We call it the duct tape model. That's the best thing you can. If any of your listeners listen now, and yeah. you know someone that just went through crisis. The best thing you do is say, I'm so sorry, and then listen, don't talk. No matter, even though you so badly want to share what happened to you and how it happened, that's the worst thing you could do. What will happen in that survivor, whoever it is that you're helping, they'll say, I'm done with this, you know, (laughs) let's move on to something else, Um, you know, and you'll lose, you know, that, that relationship or that moment. 
So um, one of the things, another thing we that, that must be noted is you said is that whoever has the list runs the whole thing, right? Yeah. So so a lot about what we were talking about, uh, you know, just recently was the um, the the information gathering. Information yeah. gathering is key yeah. to begin to help these people. You need to know their names. You need to know where they where they lived at, and then how what what help they need. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The information gathering we use it through what we call our SISM team, our critical incident stress management team. They're they're trained to provide the emotional spiritual care to help families come out of trauma. So it starts off with a. Tell me what happened. Okay. You know, and then you're listening. But in that, we're taking their information. And then ultimately, after we gather all the information, we say, Can we, would you like a church on the network to walk with you through this terrible okay. crisis? But that list, now we compile all of that together. Now we have the list of lists, which no one else is pulling together. I, I can almost guarantee it. Uh, there are ministries that might have small lists of small bits of information, maybe muck out a house, but not the kind of information that's needed to walk with a family and to get them the kind of resources that they need. That list now will help me go to Samaritan's person and say, hey, I have a hundred roofs that need blue tarp. That list will help me be able to go to other ministries and begin to to pull resources together. And what happens is the survivor and the city begins to see these guys have it together. And it really, again, the hope is we want the church to be relevant in that city, right? And, and suddenly the city starts depending on now the church more than ever, which is exactly what you want. It's a complete 360 turnaround from what most cities view the church as. Yeah, because we had talked that the the church in general has taken a significant uh, back step to yes. helping in these areas, and we need to take another. We need to retake the ground we had past given up. Yeah, uh, even in Isaiah two, it says, "In the latter days, the church will be on top of the mountains." And I believe the mountain of disaster relief. Why not own all the disasters in your city? Because uh, it's a way to That's get so volunteers true, yeah. engaged and mobilize the church and begin to begin a process of developing great relationships with the city government. Yeah, that's such a helpful thing too. So, um, so you facilitate the coming together of all of the different churches, right? By coming coming up with a list, and then you're you're helping them, the the survivors of this go through the trauma part of it, and then also maybe have the resources they need, such as you know a refrigerator or you know a couch or a bed, and so you bring all those resources together, or you are able to basically sell the need to all these other different organizations, right? Correct. Uh, and and we're also uh, getting their information to walk with them, what we call shepherd. So we're equipping the body of Christ. We have a training that teaches the body how to shepherd a family or walk with a family. Some might call it sponsor, but I, I feel like the word shepherding is probably a better qualifier, but it's like being a good Samaritan and walking with those families. We will also, if it's a lot of homes that need to be rebuilt, we begin to work with those teams like Christian Aid Ministries, Samaritan's Purse, and others that come in with teams. Wow. But yeah. see, now we have the information they need to move faster to rebuild homes. Sometimes I've seen it take as long as six months to get all wow. the information together versus we're talking about three weeks yeah. to be able to start swinging a hammer. So it shortens that time. Also, when I'm talking to the business community 
And to donors, they're seeing how sharp and together these people are. So money starts pouring in. Again, the ultimate is that it's putting the church in a leadership position. And this is what our ministry does now. And and you had mentioned, I have founded the Austin Disaster Relief Network. What we're doing now is I've raised up a new nonprofit called United in Crisis. United in Crisis is taking that crisis response model that the Lord gave in 2005. It's been tested and proven over 14 years with lots of disasters, right? And uh, and then also uh, we're now equipping other cities, whether they're in a disaster, we go in there to help form a new yeah, network. Yeah. Or it's blue sky, like in Kansas City. We're coming here to the churches proposing the idea of what if Kansas City had its own Kansas City or Greater Kansas City Crisis Network in advance, prepared and, and trained so that way this the church could be powerful and relevant when crisis strikes and maybe own all the disasters or crisis in the city. Wow, and and so it doesn't true. just have to be a natural. could be the homeless crisis. could be other things that that model will work beautifully in. Uh, because of the infrastructure that is set up through the model. That actually is really good because then, like that, like you're saying, you can sell the problem to business owners, and you're talking about even individual families being sponsored. You know, like we see like organizations like uh, World uh, Hunger, you know, they're actually sell, hey, this person needs this. Can you sponsor them? Can you sponsor this person? Can you sponsor this person? So you're gathering the information to yeah. where you can sell these individual families unique problems to like business owners or if, or if churches want to donate or if church members want to donate to yes. these individual problems. But that you've broken down the very large problem into small bite-sized chunks so we can all begin to devour this thing. That's together. exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we, uh, when you have a network it's, that operates like this, we also, prior to them joining, a church joining, we collect their information of what do they do. Well, they've got a clothing ministry or they yeah, have buses so or they have warehouse space. And so when you times that by maybe 100 churches in uh-huh. the city, I now know the resources. And imagine going up to the government saying, these are the tools. These are the people that are trained in advance. They're badged, credential. I mean, it's a dream come true. Pretty really, yeah. city government. Uh, yeah. That's why suddenly, and it's kind of a no brainer when you think about it. You might say, why haven't we done this before? And that's really the question is, why haven't we? And let's do it. So, absolutely. <laughs> um, so we're going to have to start winding down because we're running out of time because I know you have somewhere else yeah. to go. Um, so, how would people get a hold of you? Um, if, if uh, they wanted to get a hold of you, not get a hold of you, but how would they donate to the organization or learn more about what you're doing? Yeah. Uh, so United in Crisis, then go to our website, unitedincrisis.org. So that's the national slash international version of you know taking the model, again, helping other cities yeah. do it. They can always go to, if they want to just hear some stories and watch some videos, cool videos, how the church has moved, they could go to adrn.org. But our website is just simply unitedincrisis.org. Oh, good, yeah. Uh, and our contact information is there. We are, if you are a pastor listening to this, I would say go to Howard Cordell, uh, and, uh, or they can reach out to me uh, simply at daniel at unitedincrisis.org, and I'd be happy to respond, talk and, to them. And, and Howard Cordell is a local Kansas City, right? He is the uh, president of the uh, Midwest 
Midwest, uh, I want to say Pastors Fellowship, I think it might be, but it's about 300-some churches oh, wow. part of that ministerial alliance. Oh, that's it, Midwest Ministerial Fellowship. That's wow. what it's called. Yeah, and there are a great amount of churches on that. If they're not connected, I'd say get connected. Uh-huh. Uh, do you want me to tell a two-minute God story? Yeah, I was going to ask, is if, if you have time, <laughs> let's, just do a, let's just do a short story, because, I mean, story yeah. always brings everything together. Yeah, so... So this is the a story of of just his goodness, right? Yeah. Uh, a story also of how God, when churches simply follow what's important on His heart, that's John seventeen, that we would be one. Uh, that the Lord shows up, it, He it commands a blessing. Psalm one thirty three, when the brother dwelt together in unity. So when Harvey happened uh, in yeah. two thousand and seventeen, we're talking about catastrophic event, not only impacting Houston with over a hundred thousand families displaced, but Rockport and thirty two other cities and where all was across Har- South. Where did Harvey happen at? In, in, Texas, in Texas, South Texas, South Texas. Uh, yeah, on the coast. And, uh, so, so, uh, very major impact. There weren't none, there wasn't not enough nonprofits to handle every city. The Samaritan Purses of the World, the, the Convoy of Hope, all those. So we picked Port Arthur because no one had hit yeah. Port Arthur yet. They had, uh, uh, over seven feet of rain fall in a short period of time. The, uh, anyone closest to that was, uh, Noah's <laughs> flood, uh, in recorded history. Oh no one had gosh. that much rain. Did you recorded say seven history. feet, right? Yeah, over seven, seven feet, feet oh of gosh. rain. Like police cars, uh, yeah. you said something like that. Yeah, the whole town, 95% of the town was, wow. was impacted. So people were desperate and we felt the Lord said, don't go out in your normal way. It's going to take a thousand plus volunteers. Wow. So we, in 10 days, we were asked by the mayor to deploy, uh, the Lord, pulled together nine semis of, of goods and supplies, over a thousand volunteers, 20 buses to deploy those volunteers, uh, brought a million dollars in gift cards because the donations poured in. Uh, we, uh, we had a area where we had the jump bouncy houses. One church owned that. Uh, I think we brought down five. Wow. So that way all the kids could be, because uh, uh, they occupied, too, occupied, they yeah. too need to have fun. And for the kids to be debriefed at the disaster, we had a drawing area where they drew what happened. Oh and then we said, where was God in that? And they would point to God in that. Uh, and Sorry, that's my alarm. I'll give you one more minute of that story. I figured, I figured. So, uh, but in the midst of that, we with, with the, we had nine semis of supplies and goods. We had two circus tents, and then we had a drive-through where they could drive through get the stuff, and they can also pick up stuff in both areas. And uh, we had everyone scheduled in, so we thought wow. we were really ahead. Uh, we didn't know how many; we just knew thousands of people would show. We ended up having thirteen thousand, like six hundred people, thirteen thousand six hundred wow. helped in one. One day, uh, uh, we gave away all a million dollars or close to it. Uh, and uh, at first, uh, we the one mistake we made was we didn't tell them, don't show up until you're 15 minutes before your time. Just that one statement we found out. Well, these 13,000 people that came in one day, yeah. right? Yeah, 13,000 people that needed help. We had yeah, 200 yeah. computers set up to take intake. Uh, that's incredible. It was a, a massive yeah. setup. Uh, but uh, we when that morning there was already a thousand people lined up, 
yeah. too many, uh, maybe 2,000. We were going to handle 800 per hour is wow. what we had figured out, the way we had it set up. And unfortunately, because we didn't say don't show up, it became kind of uh, wild out there. <laughs> and you so, have the water and I want it. And the anyway. police were not around. We could not no. get, because their houses were impacted. Oh so gosh. we could only find one police officer, but the Lord sovereignly divinely protected and i had to go outside no no kidding i had to lead them in a prayer i mean in this mass crowd and ask the lord through their lips to show up and give them peace and, and it did it calmed down we brought them in and it would turn out to be a historic event we had a prayer tent also and people were walking around with prayer team praying for people people in tears kids wow you know being restored families being pulled out of their trauma I just had never seen the body work so well together. And we ended that night in the stadium because we used a high school and a middle school that were combined back-to-back campuses where we had a, a it was like a 10,000 wow. seat, Sam. You know, Texas football is big. Yeah. So this is a big stadium. We had all these people in the stadium. We ended up lifting the name of the Lord up that night wow. in a prayer meeting, asking God to, to come and bring restoration to this community with pastors and churches and, and the people and the thousand volunteers. And then we took a bus home, uh, and we, I don't think we got home to like midnight, something like that. But it was an amazing day of, of glory for the Lord, and uh, it, it was a blessed day. You can go to the website, our ADRN website, find that video somewhere there. But um, anyway, that's our story. He's good all the time. He makes you look like you know what you're doing. That's well, his signature. Well, yeah, just thank you so much for being a part of the Faith Horizons show. I know that you have, uh, you've got another appointment today while you're in town in, in Kansas City. So thank you for joining us. Amen. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. Keep praying and look out for the Greater Kansas Crisis Network on how you can volunteer, be a part of your church, be ready to join as a church on the network because it's coming near you. All right. God bless. God bless. Here is a quick update from Faith Horizons. I have recently added unique pages for each organization interviewed on the Faith Horizons podcast. These pages include all articles and posts for that specific organization and also include the opportunity to leave your testimony of experience with them. You can find these specific organization pages and the opportunity to leave testimonies on the front page. Please take the time to leave a testimony for whichever organization's have impacted you. It really helps tell the complete story of what God is doing in Kansas City. Thank you so much. Oh, my God.